being people that want to make things and wanting to do it in the most responsible way mm -hmm. that we can. Um, so even if we're not making, we aren't making a huge impact on the world, um, at least we can feel good about that little thing that we put out there. Welcome neighbors to Hometown Earth, the podcast that brings a down-to-earth approach to all of your sustainability questions. I'm your host, Lena Sanford, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here, we believe that everyone can change the world. Do you believe? I'm a Midwest gal with big dreams to discover what it takes to reduce my impact on this beautiful place we call Hometown Earth. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate what actions we can take, big or small, to make a positive impact in your life and the lives of your neighbors on Hometown Earth. Hello, neighbors. I'd be willing to bet that we could all use a little spirit. And today's guest lives and breathes it through the company Meow Meow Tweet, a vegan personal care company made for everybody. From the top of your head to the tips of your toes, co-founders Tara Peltier and Jeff Kurosaki have created a beautifully crafted apothecary of handmade items to soothe and nourish your body, all while sticking to their values of remaining vegan, ethical, low waste, and cruelty free at every step of the way. Today, you'll hear from one half of the dynamic duo, Tara, as we discuss how Tara's background as a chef and herbalist contributes to the goods that Meow Meow Tweet develops, and how this collaborative team thoughtfully fuses their values into their work from creation to production to make the whimsically designed and absolutely inspired products that land at your doorstep. I swear if you buy one product from Meow Meow Tweet, you'll see why I'm such a huge fan. So without any further delay, let's hop into it with Tara. So Tara, thank you so much for joining us on Hometown Earth today. Uh, for the people who aren't obsessed with checking the About Us page on every website, do you mind giving us a little bit of background about who you are and how you got to where you're at today with Meow Meow Tweets. Hi, yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I'm the co-founder of Meow Meow Tweet with my partner in life as well, um, Jeff Kurosaki. And um, we started Meow Meow Tweet back in 2009 as a way of making products that reflect um, our values and those values have grown and gotten deeper over the years, but initially it was to create products that were healthy for us, our bodies and the earth and animals. Like we're basically considerate of all of those things. So they're vegan, low waste, ethically sourced and produced. And yeah, we started as a little kitchen brand in Brooklyn during the like height of the Brooklyn DIY era. <laughs> um, yeah. Very romantic, but also like, you know, heaving five gallon buckets up like three flights of stairs. Oh my gosh. That's a new kind of startup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really putting your back into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and since then we have grown and not hugely in terms of people power, um, but we've, we have grown and we moved upstate 
about five years ago to upstate New York. And then actually a month ago, we moved to California. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, okay, y'all started back in your kitchen. Did you imagine that it would be what it is now? I think it was, uh, from my understanding, kind of like a pet project when it started. Yeah. um, It's sort of a pun there, too, because we named the business (laughs) after our pets, um, our two cats and our bird. Um, Yeah, it was... uh, you know, we're musicians and also visual artists, and we were doing a lot of performance art um, and showing pretty regularly and performing re- pretty regularly in the city and making zero money. So we were both yeah. had other jobs and we wanted more flexibility so that we could do the performances, but also both of us are makers, you know, so mm-hmm. um, and have like a host of other things in our backgrounds. So we were like, yeah. We, could, we could have a lot more flexibility and like make our own schedules and like be so much happier and believe in what we're doing if we start this business and then like everything will be utopic because we'll have all the time in the world to like make music, <laughs> go on tour. Like, yeah. Meanwhile, like, yeah, the business took over, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you still find time to make music and I, um, say that you're also a chef and a herbalist. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, like pre Meow Meow Tweet, I was working in restaurants and, uh, I, I like to say that I actually think that, um, there's a lot that I learned working in restaurants that influenced Meow Meow Tweet and how we approach certain things. Um, I worked in restaurants in Southern California and it was um, during the like beginning of the farm to table slow, mm. slow food movement thing. And yeah. like, you know, we're all like, that's like old news now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like if you were like a chef, you're like, this is so exciting. We're, yeah. we're going to the farms where we get this stuff. Like it was like so inspiring because there was a demystifying of what you were making your food with. You were seeing like everything. Um, and you were really like, you felt really attached to the ingredients. Um, and some of my, like, you know, some of that kind of comes out still and how I formulate, um, in terms of like trying not to mask things and being really just like as close to the most unrefined version of the ingredient as we can get in a lot yeah. of senses. Yeah. So yeah. How does that translate whenever you're trying to concoct these um, products? It's almost like a dish that you say. So like how, what is your inspiration behind that? If you're like, okay, you know, I want to make this new shampoo. Y'all just came out with a new powdered shampoo. Like what goes through your mind? What inspires you? And kind of how is that related to um, your backgrounds The in being a chef and cooking? I think that it's shifted over the years. So in the beginning, we we certainly weren't as aware of what the the industry was, the personal care industry and how much product was being put out. And so we would make things on a whim and we were small, so it didn't matter. You know, we would make like maybe a hundred of something and that really has no impact, you know, on the world. 
I mean, it has an impact, but it's not as much of an impact. And I would say, you know, we're still not big enough that we're actually making an impact. But I think that now we're seeing that some of the things that we do have an inspirational impact. So Mm -hmm. when and and just knowing the things that we know now about waste, um, you know, because it's been like 13. What is it? I can't do the math right now. It's been like like 12 years, you know, it's been over 10 years that we've been doing this. And um, so much has come to light in terms of like plastic use, waste, um, client, like sourcing of ingredients and how that impacts climate and things like that. Um, And we're not static, you know, like in any, I think any good brand isn't static. You can't just start off being one thing. And um, not kind of like take influence from what is actually happening in the world. Well, you can do that, but for us, that doesn't work because we're, I mean, we're researchers and we're like impacted by the world as it is. So now when we formulate, we have a kind of rubric of questions that we ask and we really ask ourselves, like if the product is necessary in the world and necessary can mean like various things like necessary could mean like will the product make me really happy to share with the world and that's a totally valid yeah thing um but do i need to make as much of it and does it need to be something that stays with the line like we've done a few limited edition things over the past year or two um and those were just as a kind of like creative like i need to get this out into the world and share it and because i think it's really beautiful and i want to celebrate this one ingredient or i want to celebrate this um thing from this particular farm and so that is one kind of like product development we've always had this kind of two-prong approach where we let some things get big and then some things stay small so like then the powdered shampoo is a good example of something where we were like, this does not exist. Um, yeah. Like we had not seen them actually since we launched that. There are like two other brands that I've seen that are doing it. And their approach to it is super interesting too, which is exciting to see like varied approaches to doing it. Um, and it's like a problem solution, you know, Um how do we put something low waste into the world that works well and that like addresses hair care in a different way than bars do because bars mm-hmm. are not for everyone. Um, so that was a, a really long winded answer to that question. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. So yeah, whenever you're talking about um, your, your values even and like why, you know, the, the driving force between creating a product or not, or making it big or making it small, kind of what is that, what started those values with y'all and um, kind of what do they look like now? And we can kind of get into some of those values if you want to. Sure. Um, Well, at our core, we are, uh, I mean, Jeff and I are kind of like, deeply vegan. (laughs) Um, like I would say like, we're, you know, I would never call us plant-based or something because that's about diet. We're like vegan 
in our approach to the world. So like it's about harm reduction um, for us. So like we try to see how we can um, kind of like navigate the world and putting things out into the world in the least harmful way. Um, Mm -hmm. And being vegan also means like considering harm toward other humans. Um, It's not just about animals. Um, I think a lot of people miss that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's a, I, I'm glad you answered that because I was going to see like what being vegan really meant to you because uh, it seems like it is something a little bit deeper. It's not just even, you know, translated into your company as far as like you have vegan products, that's not just the ingredients, but kind of goes beyond that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that being critical of the personal care industry um, and the consumer products industry in general, um, but then also being introspectively critical so that we're looking inward and saying like, well, this exists in the world. We're not really, we don't really like how, um, you know, the representation is really homogenous in the beauty industry or yeah. um, uh, products look a certain way or uh, sourcing is like a thing that's on the back burner for so many brands or um, I could list a bunch of different things, but like ethical sourcing and sort of like representation and mm-hmm. um, the voices that you hear, things like that are um are all things that we're passionate about. And I would say all of that is related to our veganism too, or maybe our veganism is related to all of that, you know, (laughs) like. It's so interconnected. You can't pull them apart almost. Yeah. It really does come from a place of like, like personal responsibility um, for how we want to be in the world in like a less harmful way and a more uplifting way right yeah. so like i i always kind of get uncomfortable saying like le- less harmful because it's kind of like leading with the like worst aspect of it but actually like yeah. the other side of that coin is like uplifting and like digging into the joy and like the things that aren't represented or the things that mm-hmm. aren't aren't attended to either um in creating products and things like that um And that's where it's like that kind of, it's the other, you know, it's like the things that are not, um, not given light or something that I think we're both really attracted to, um, and both kind of inhabit those spaces too, in various ways in our, in our identities. Yeah. So as far as, uh, the ingredients themselves, kind of, what do you want to make sure is in your products and what do you want to make sure is left out so that people at the end of the day feel good about what they're putting on their body. At this point, like vegan ingredients are pretty easy, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are so many vegan brands, but I think um, what I've started to do is um, with uh, someone that's working with us, we're kind of combing through certain ingredients that we used and looking at them in a more critical way in terms of Mm -hmm. sourcing So for example, like our cocoa butter, we were using like a fair trade cocoa butter. That's Mm -hmm. cool. You know, that's good. 
but it would be better if it was direct trade and it would be better Mm. if we knew more of the story of the co-ops that were producing it and how it was produced and how people were being compensated and things like that. And so we're starting to try to go more directly to the source, um, which we have done for some things in the past, but right now it's a kind of like invisible behind the scenes project that we're doing even more deeply. Um, Mm -hmm. And not because it will necessarily sell more product either, just because like it's more interesting. It's more in line with what we need to do. um, And it's like how we can go deeper into the products, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I I can tell even just, you know, on your social media and your blog, everything, it's like digging deeper and I can absolutely get what you're saying is like y'all highlight um, what most people don't think to, which is like really unique. And I wish more people did that. Um, So let's talk about that a little bit. Like y'all are, you're, I know you are saying y'all aren't that big yet and, you know, y'all are doing all these projects, uh, but people are looking at your company and taking notice. Um, So how does that make you feel? And do you think that more people should be doing what y'all are doing? Or do you like it to be that unique um, style of running a business? I'm really interested in collectivity. So I would love it if, um, yeah, if, (laughs) <laughs> not necessarily that if people were, I'm not even that interested in people like getting, at, getting inspired by us and like doing it or something. That's cool. Like that's totally cool. Um, but I'm actually hoping that there's some kind of like cooperative experience that can come out of networking and like uh, mutual inspiration and like mutual goals and stuff like that, whether it's like sharing sources of things or going in on like drums of Bulgarian rose water from direct from a farm so that we can yeah. all all afford it. That's an actual example. And wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to SW Basics. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing is like making friends who are like minded within the industry we can start to work in this cooperative way. Um, and that's where it starts to be like the most exciting to me. Yeah. So I think that kind of leads into like, y'all are a very handcrafted small batch. Like you're not making it in the kitchen anymore, but it is still, it's still everything a kitchen though. Everything's handmade. So like, is the intention to, to get bigger and kind of what is that? what challenges have y'all seen trying to um, get more products out to people who are really enjoying and, you know, strong customers? I love that. (laughs) Um, Because I'm, I think we're so not interested in growing and being huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can tell that. I don't know. Like, I, I think that it's almost like, it's hard when you get bigger to like keep your values in, in line. And maybe you can speak to that too. I don't know, but for myself, but it seems like um, with a lot of companies, it's hard to stick to what you know to in your heart is right. And what trying to get something to the end customer, whenever you've got pressure on you. Yeah. I mean, I think it all, um, I can tell you an anecdote, like for example, um, 
a little over three years ago, we were asked to launch in Target and and we were like, wow. we, I can see us, Jeff and I still sitting like on a blanket in the grass, like making pros and cons lists and just like wringing our hands being like, is this something we should do? Because there's this outside idea of success that is constantly kind of like knocking on your door. And you have to kind of like hold the door shut sometimes too and be like, no, 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 I know myself. Or maybe like you're, you want to try it to see if it's somehow in line with what you want and things like that. And we had this whole idea that having things in Target would bring more accessibility to the brand because we'd be able to scale up the products that were in Target. The price point would be able to go down and people could just go to a store that was local to them and buy Mm -hmm. this deodorant that just like met all of their needs in terms of like values and like things that worked with their body. Um, So we said yes, and we did it. Um, Actually, this was like a little more than four years ago. And then I got pregnant and I had a baby and I came back to work um, like four weeks after having my baby. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And have just been like working ever since. And like our kid is now three years old. And, um, just recently I was like, I was like, it's not just about this like external idea of success. It's not just about like making money. It's also about like, you know, when I wasn't sleeping because I had a baby, I was coming to work and I was like grouchy And the people that I work with had to like be around me grouchy. I mean, they were cool. Like we were all cool, but you know what I mean? Like everything is interconnected, you know, and like our our kid, like we go home and we're like, you know, we're a couple and we have a kid together. So we're like working through like work stuff, getting stressed out about certain work things, like wondering when Target is going to pay us for like a huge a huge order or whatever. And our kid is like soaking up that stress or whatever. And it's all interconnected. So this idea of growing big is like all well and good. If you want to like tap into that, like capitalist uh, paradigm, you know, Yeah. but, but at the end of the day, does it make like every day feel mostly good? you know? And I mean, that's what I'm going for is like, most days feel mostly good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I like that. Yeah. So, you know, kind of then in your own company, how do you work to, to make people feel good um, and make them feel like that, you know, changing their lives essentially through the work that they're doing with y'all? Cause I'm sure that has to be a big part of what drives, you know, what motivates and drives you is giving people good conditions to work in and making them happy to work there. Yeah. I think, um, there's a lot of self work that goes into it. Cause I wouldn't say that Jeff and I are, um, natural leaders or managers. So <laughs> we've done like a lot of, we've done like trainings in nonviolent communication so that we can have like better communication systems. We do, we at first thought that we, everything should be like kind of like open and loosey goosey, 
But then we found that that made people feel like, um, like they didn't really know what was going on. And so we did adopt like certain corporate structures, like making sure there's like an orientation and that there's like a manual so that people can see what our values are and, um, and see like where they are within the company. We also make sure that like all meetings, well, basically all meetings, um, unless there's like a special project or something, all meetings have all people so that, um, whether you're like making deodorant or you're like managing social media, like people are like hearing what the other people are doing. And then Jeff and I try to, um, like verbally connect what everyone's roles mean because everything is connected. I learned that in like restaurants too. So like if you go in for a shift and you're the chef, every chef knows that they're only as good as like the dishwasher that's there. If the dishwasher doesn't show up, the whole restaurant just like implodes, you know? And there's this idea that there's one role that's like less than other roles, but that, Mm -hmm. you know, managers are just there as guides. They're not there because they're like, higher on the totem pole or anything like that um actually i'm going to rewind and say totem pole is like an inappropriate uh (laughs) phrase to use um that's a colonized word the other thing is making sure that we're paying people a living wage and that people are not working a lot so we only do 32 hour work week work weeks Mm -hmm. but you get paid as if you're working like full time. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I mean, you can see there's like, there's studies and there's proof that that leads to like more efficiency, but also like more like happiness and work-life balance for people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think also just because Jeff and I are like literally still making product, you know, and like in everything, um, for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> um, I think that there's like connect, we are connected to everyone in a way that is like, yes, we're aware that we're the bosses and we're like paying everyone's bills, but, um, and we have to like be aware of that power mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, but we, uh, I think we're connected to people because they see us working too. So have you ever, this is just a random question. Have you ever had people um, that are in a completely different space in, in the company that say, wow, this product, like I really want this and kind of bring it to you. Like, what does that process look like as far as um, even coming up with a new product and making sure that what it's uh, the systems that you have as far as packaging and even the creation of it are sustainable? (laughs) Um, so, well, for the first question, we have had a couple products that people have suggested and then we've made them. Um, and we also, sometimes people suggest something and it's maybe like not a good fit, but we will do like, um, just like a project as a team where we'll just like make it like someone, someone wanted like a tinted lip and cheek stain. And I was like, I don't really think we're going to do that for us anytime soon. Cause there are so yeah. many brands that are doing it, but we like took an afternoon and we like made it 
and then just to see yeah and then we did it again because the first time didn't come out good uh <laughs> um perfectionist huh yeah yeah, yeah. well it didn't stain um yeah. <laughs> um the second one usually the idea for a new product um comes from like a kind of problem to solve like how to create a low i'm going to use the shampoo powder as an example i'll kind of like reference it how to use or how to make a product that has um a low impact in terms of waste and also is a concentrated product so that you get more in one package which over time creates less waste impact as well. So that product in particular, like the problem didn't, the problem or the question didn't happen first. It was like, for fun, I made a hair mask. (laughs) And and then I was like, hey, does anyone want to try this? Like to the people in production. And then Mm -hmm. everyone like took it home and then everyone came back and we used to all eat lunch together pre-COVID. and uh, someone was like, you've got to put this out there into the world. And, w- and we were like, oh, I don't know, how would we package it? Also, powders are the hardest things to get into packaging. Like powders, yeah. are, like from a production Messy. standpoint. Yeah, we, <laughs> we all hate it. <laughs> yeah. um, there's like some major like podcasting and uh, music that needs to be played while you're packaging that. <laughs> um, so, Keep a high vibration. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So, um, we, that particular product, we talked a lot before we even went into formulation, we talked a lot about how to package it. So we like weighed out all the, these different options and then we all did research. Um, and then we couldn't come up with an option because at the time, all of us were like, there's no way we're just going to put the powder into a, an aluminum bottle. <laughs> which is what it is. Yeah, that's um, what it is. Yeah. So we were like, we were, we like tried all these. We were like trying to figure out how to make like bullion cubes that were oh like, like easily like crumble could crumble in your hand, but would like hold up yeah. in, in a jar. Like it was like a thing. I just wow. gave someone a really good idea. Like yeah. <laughs> I need to link up with like a bullion cube uh, yeah. manufacturer. I can so, imagine the illustrations for that. By the way. <laughs> like I can see see some wild stuff in my head already that Jeff would come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we tabled it, but we kept on making it for ourselves in the team mm-hmm. um, because it was good for hard water situations, and we were all in upstate New York our water while it tasted good was really high in minerals and none of the shampoo and all of us kind of like had woes with the shampoo bars because they didn't rinse out well. Yeah. So fast forward and we find like a really great place to a great farm to source marshmallow root from. And I get really excited about formulating with marshmallow root and that's (laughs) in there. And I just, you know, and we do some writing about marshmallow root. And then we keep on having people, customers talk about how shampoo bars are just not right for them. And I was like, and I started sending out like every time we would make like a team batch of the hair mask, which is actually the shampoo powder, I would send like a little sachet out to a customer that 
was like was not happy with the shampoo powder or the shampoo bar and so this is like this really organic thing you there's like a need there right yeah um and so at the point where we decide to make it then we like the thing is over time like certain ingredients had been tweaked through just making it in our kitchen um to like address different things whether it's like being really excited about the source for marshmallow root so we like put more marshmallow root into the formulation or finding out about this surfactant that's like coconut base that um would help to like demineralize hair more and it's like i do a ton of reading so like things just like come in and get put into different formulas because of how exciting they are to me as a material. So um, at the point where we start, we decide that something is going to be a product, we sort of start locking in all of the ingredients. I did air quotes there. Um, (laughs) um, And what that means is like, we double check the sourcing. Um, Some things we have like a really transparent relationship to the source because we're getting it directly from the source um but some things we're getting from like cosmetic distributors and so we have to do like a sort of down the line um thing where we actually have them send us paperwork and have them fill out these short questionnaires about uh labor practices and sourcing so at that point you know we check the sourcing of the ingredients and then we check availability and within that availability thing there's also environmental questions that happen like if something is not going to be very available chances are it's like not a very sustainable option for us yeah though it can be for a short run thing so like if we get something from uh like a local farm or something like that we Mm -hmm. can do a short run with it and it's not going to be stressful. Um, yeah. But if we want something that can scale, we have to really look into availability and the environmental impact of the ingredient. And mm-hmm. so that's related to like availability and sourcing. Um, and during this time, we're also um, just like solidifying the formula and how we're going to make it because the how we're going to make it is a super important thing we've learned in the past that sometimes we get we kind of like get contracted by just like launching something that is really hard to make um and then everyone who has to make it going forward is like really bummed out that they have to be making it because it's really hard to make yeah Um, so jeff and I, um, and we used to have someone that was really great that would help us, um, who left to go do her own project, but, um, we would all kind of like work on the most efficient and sort of like joyful way to make something because, you know, we're making multiples, you know, it's not just one thing and you're going to make something over and over. So you want to make sure that you can scale it, that it doesn't have like stress points for people's bodies. Like, um, you know, if someone's like pouring all day long, every Mm. single day that, that can like 
that's the whole conundrum of handmade stuff. Everyone's like, oh, handmade, but it's like, actually, machines are kind of awesome. Yeah. yeah. Our bodies need to rest, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a lot more consideration than I feel like most people give um, into that process. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're also, we've had instances where like we've been out of production because of, having like enough staff or something like that mm-hmm. and um or just having like a slow time and someone will be like making something and then we find out like weeks or months down the line that they that it hasn't been comfortable for them mm. and it's like and I've been like you gotta tell us yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so now like learn from that and learning that now we're like Hey, how did, how did it go today? How are you feeling? How's your body feeling? Like, um, that in particular, if someone gets really good at making something and they're like, just like they make something beautifully, like there is there, there are people who make like beautiful lip balms, you know, and you just want to put them on lip balms every day, but you can't do it, you know? Burnout is a real thing. Yeah. Burnout is a real thing. And also like making sure that like you're, being aware of how people use their bodies from day to day. So all of that goes into the consideration of the product. And um, then we kind of like formalize it and then it gets tested for like sensitivity and stability, which is like a cosmetics testing Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And then it goes out into the world yeah <laughs> well so y'all are plastic uh negative which is a fairly new thing for your company right yeah I mean we've been measuring our waste like we actually weigh our garbage every mm-hmm. every week and um we like meet as a team to talk about reduction methods and stuff like mm-hmm. that like we talk about yes. it during operations meetings but this was the first time that we had like weighed every single like pump that we use for every product that goes out into the world and then Mm -hmm. it gets offset um by actually paying for the the actual removal of plastic out of the environment through these like waste retrieval companies um so it's actionable it's not just like throwing money out somewhere you're like linked up with an actual waste removal company yeah which is exciting to me because it's like, oh, it's not just like a, this like pretty stamp and right. like marketing thing. Like there's actually stuff going, being taken out of the environment. Um, and that is cool because every piece of plastic that is used to make our product and to for our product to exist, like gets um, offset. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so I feel like that a lot of people might be listening to this and thinking that's exhausting, Tora. Like, I'm why, so tired. Yeah. Like, why do you? What makes y'all get up and make sure that these things get done every day, and that it's so important to you? Like, what is your why behind what you're doing? I think that it goes back to what I talked about in the beginning. Is mm-hmm. just. Um, being people that want to make things and wanting to do it in the most responsible way Mm -hmm. that we can. Um, So even if we're not making, we aren't making a huge impact on the world. um, At least we can feel good about that little thing that we put out there. Um, 
because it is about like the day to day too. Yeah. Well, I feel special every time the juniper carrot seed, like facial. Oh my gosh. That is my absolute favorite. Smells better than any product I've ever owned. I love it. So like, I feel special every time that I'm using it and like knowing the backstory and kind of what all you put into it. It does, you know, it does matter. And it makes, uh, makes me proud to like support a company like yours. What is your favorite product and why? Ooh, um, you're not supposed to choose your favorite. <laughs> but they're but, there though. <laughs> um, right now I'm really loving our grapefruit mint mm, okay. soap. And I think um, a lot of that might be coming from a sort of nostalgic place because we just moved <laughs> and it was our first product ever. Uh, so it's like looking back, but it's so good yeah so fresh and refreshing um I still wouldn't change a thing about it you know Um, I love that (laughs) yeah it's kind of nice to not want to change anything about it (laughs) yeah you're like this is on lock it's good (laughs) I can use it till the end of my days yeah Yeah. I love that uh well so is there any other inventive or new ideas that you want to share with us that y'all are working on or things we should be looking out for uh, we're digging deeper into our um, bulk refill program, which is like mm-hmm. a return program. So you can buy like your favorite liquid bottle products from us in larger bottles and then those ship to you for free. And then you can ship us the empties back for free. And then we clean them, um, sterilize them and refill them. That particular bottle doesn't necessarily go back to you, but they go back into our like bottle system. Mm -hmm. We're just looking for ways to streamline that a little bit more, um, which won't necessarily be super visible to the customer, but it'll mean that the price can come down, which is cool. Um, And uh, other than that, I think that we're, I'm going to say this here because then we actually have to do it. I'm not going to be like cagey and secretive. (laughs) We really want to start a soap of the month club so that we can just like make a soap, not packaged, that is just like for fun and feels really great and like is a way to get out like product ideas or like scent ideas and send it to people um and Jeff might even make like a tiny little um like postcard artwork for each one that oh. just goes with it so you could like collect them oh my goodness that's yeah. such a fantastic <laughs> idea yeah. yeah I'll be one of the first customers of that <laughs> I would love to be um a member of that soap club so yeah. that kind of like lends into y'all are you know musicians creators makers are you planning on, uh, I feel like that y'all could really do something with your music. I watched the 10 second short film that you did, like the turning everything to 10, mm-hmm. everything. Oh, <laughs> yeah, everything goes to 10. I love it. <laughs> um, so like, are y'all having any plans to kind of focus on that more and incorporating that into your business further than, you know, illustrations? You know, um, Sorry, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's specialty. Well, no, I think so. We have this new idea. Like our kid is going to go to preschool pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And we've been having this idea of maybe making like, and is really interested in like watching television, but like we're 
trying to keep it so keep it from not happening so we're we're, I think we're gonna make like little kids videos just That's that are great. like slow moving but have like nice messaging um yeah and stuff like that and that to us feels kind of like fun and also maybe in line with like our interests but in a different yeah. way yeah 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 you got to keep some um of the creative juices flowing I feel like that definitely would do that <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I think that we could probably like we'll probably like post it on Meow Meow Tweet too and yeah. it'll, it would like yeah. make sense you know yes absolutely yeah. well is there anything else that you kind of want to share um about the brand or anything else that you want people to know about Meow Meow Tweet I I would like to say thank you so much actually um this is only my second podcast and you're so easy to talk to. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Um, I, I wrote a bunch of notes and I didn't look at them at all. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't feel like I needed to. So great. I, I really appreciate um, your hospitality. Thank your you. Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I really am stoked on your brain. Like I love it so much. I just feel like it you know, it makes me feel good, like I said. So I appreciate y'all having this brainchild and, and putting it out into the world. So I'll be sure to link um, y'all social and how somebody can look and find some products that work for their body um, in the show notes. And I really do appreciate it and hope that uh, you have a good rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hometown Earth as much as I did. Let us know by rating and subscribing so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Tuesday. Head to the show notes linked in the episode description for more details. And let us know in the comments what you want to hear next. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can find more about the podcast on Instagram at Hometown Earth or connect with me personally at Lena Saintford. We all know change needs to happen. So let's get started right here at Hometown Earth. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.